everyone. I say evening because it is actually Tuesday night, and even though it's towards the end of the day and most of you guys won't listen to this until Wednesday, I am fulfilling my promise to you to release a new episode. So welcome to The Good, The Brad, and The Ugly. Alright, so today I decided to try something a little different with my podcast and give you guys kind of the start of a series, maybe, if you want to call it that. I don't know if I'm going to do the whole series consecutively or if I'll break it up and just add to it as I have the time, but I wanted to actually make kind of a concerted effort to talk about one subject for a period of time and see if I can maybe help some people out the way something has helped me out. So what I want to start talking to you guys about is this book that my brothers recommended to me. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. And what this book aims to do is to change your perspective on how you view money, how you view income, how you view spending, how you view the acquisition of money and long-term wealth and retirement. This book kind of tries to challenge the traditional American mentality of hoping for a miracle or working yourself to the bone. So the book is called The Richest Man in Babylon, and what I'm going to try doing is actually reading a little bit of it and then going over a little bit of notes and things that hit me, and hopefully it'll hit you guys a little bit as well. So without further ado... The Richest Man in Babylon. You guys are going to hear pages rustling and stuff. That's because I'm in my dark office and I'm turning actual pages in an actual paper book. As strange as that might sound. So, okay. Chapter 1. The Man Who Desired Gold. Bansir, the chariot builder of Babylon, was thoroughly discouraged. From his seat upon the low wall surrounding his property... He gazed sadly at his simple home and the open workshop in which stood a partially completed chariot. His wife frequently appeared at the open door. Her furtive glances in his direction reminded him that the meal bag was almost empty and he should be at work finishing the chariot, hammering and hewing, polishing and painting, stretching taut the leather over the wheel rims, preparing it for delivery so he could collect from his wealthy customer. Nevertheless, his fat, muscular body sat stolidly upon the wall. His slow mind was struggling patiently with a problem for which he could not find an answer. The hot, tropical sun, so typical of the Valley of the Euphrates, beat down upon him mercilessly. Beads of perspiration formed upon his brow and trickled down unnoticed to lose themselves in the hairy jungle on his chest. Beyond his home towered the high terraced walls surrounding the king's palace. Nearby, cleaving the blue heavens, was the painted tower of the Temple of Bel. In the shadow of such grandeur was his simple home and many others far less neat and well cared for. Babylon was like this, a mixture of grandeur and squalor, a dazzling wealth and direst poverty crowded together without plan or system within the protecting walls of the city. Behind him, had he cared to turn and look, the noisy chariots of the rich jostled and crowded aside the sandaled tradesmen as well as the barefooted beggars. 
Even the rich were forced to turn into the gutters to clear the way for the long lines of slave water carriers on the king's business, each bearing a heavy goat skin of water to be poured upon the hanging gardens. Bansir was too engrossed in his own problem to hear or heed the confused hubbub of the busy city. It was the unexpected twanging of the strings from a familiar lyre that aroused him from his reverie. He turned and looked into the sensitive, smiling face of his best friend, Kobe, the musician. May the gods bless thee with great liberality, my good friend, began Kobe with an elaborate salute. Yet it does appear that they have already been so generous thou needest not to labor. I rejoice with thee in thy good fortune. More, I would even share it with thee, pray, from thy purse, which must be bulging, else thou wouldst be busy in yon shop. Extract but two humble shekels and lend them to me until after the nobleman's feast this night. Thou wilt not miss them ere they are returned. If I did have two shekels, Bansir responded gloomily, to no one could I lend them. Not even to you, my best of friends, for they would be my fortune, my entire fortune. No one lends his entire fortune, not even to his best friend. What? exclaimed Kobe with genuine surprise. Thou hast not one shackle in thy purse, yet sit like a statue upon a wall. Why not complete that chariot? How else canst thou provide for thy noble appetite? Tis not like thee, my friend. Where is thy endless energy? Doth something distress thee? Have the gods brought thee troubles? A torment from the gods it must be, Bansir agreed. It began with a dream. A senseless dream, in which I thought I was a man of means. From my belt hung a handsome purse, heavy with coins. There were shekels, which I cast with careless freedom to the beggars. There were pieces of silver, with which I did buy finery for my wife and whatever I did desire for myself. There were pieces of gold, which made me feel assured of the future and unafraid to spend the silver. There were pieces of gold, which made me feel assured of the future and unafraid to spend the silver. A glorious feeling of contentment was within me. You would not have known me for thy hard-working friend, nor wouldst have known my wife, so free from wrinkles was her face and shining with happiness. She was again the smiling maiden of our early married days. A pleasant dream indeed commented Kobe, but why should such pleasant feelings, as it aroused, turn thee into a glum statue upon the wall? Why, indeed, because when I awoke and remembered how empty was my purse, a feeling of rebellion swept over me. Let us talk it over, together, for, as the sailors do say, we ride in the same boat, we two. As youngsters, we went together to the priest to learn wisdom. As young men, we shared each other's pleasures. As grown men, we have always been close friends. We have been contented subjects of our kind. We have been satisfied to work long hours and spend our earnings freely. We have earned much coin in the years that have passed, yet to know the joys that come from wealth, we must dream about them. Ah! Are we more than dumb sheep? We live in the richest city in all the world. The travelers do say none equals it in wealth. About us is much display of wealth, but of it we ourselves have not. After half a lifetime of hard labor, thou, my best of friends, hast an empty purse and sayest to me, may I borrow such a trifle as two shekels until after the nobleman's feast this night. 
Then what do I reply? Do I say, here's my purse, its contents will I gladly share? No, I admit that my purse is empty as thine. What is the matter? Why cannot we acquire silver and gold, more than enough for food and robes? Consider also our sons, Bansir continued. Are they not following in the footsteps of their fathers? Need they and their families and their sons and their sons' families live all their lives in the midst of such treasures of gold and yet, like us, be content to banquet upon sour goat's milk and porridge? Never in all the years of our friendship didst thou talk like this before, Bansir. Kobe was puzzled. Never in all those years did I think like this before. From early dawn until darkness stopped me, I have labored to build the finest chariots any man could make, soft-heartedly hoping that someday the gods would recognize my worthy deeds and bestow upon me great prosperity. This they have never done. At last, I realize this they will never do. Therefore, my heart is sad. I wish to be a man of means. I wish to own lands and cattle and have fine robes and coins in my purse. I am willing to work for these things with all the strength in my back, with all the skill in my hands, with all the cunning in my mind, but I wish my labors be fairly rewarded. What is the matter with us? Again I ask you, why cannot we have our just share of the good things so plentiful for those who have gold with which to buy them? Would I knew an answer, Kobe replied. No better than thou am I satisfied. My earnings from my lyre are quickly gone. Often must I plan and scheme that my family be not hungry. Also within my breast is a deep longing for a lyre large enough that it may truly sing the strains of music that do surge through my mind. With such an instrument I could make music finer than even the king has heard before. Such a lyre thou shouldst have. No man in all Babylon could make it sing more sweetly, could make it sing so sweetly. Not only the king, but the gods themselves would be delighted. But how mayest thou secure it while we both of us are as poor as the king's slaves? Listen to the bell. Here they come. He pointed to the long column of half-naked, sweating water-bearers plodding laboriously up the narrow street from the river. Five abreast they marched, each bent under a heavy goatskin of water. A fine figure of a man, he who doth lead them, Kobe indicated the wearer of the bell who marched in front without a load. A prominent man in his own country, tis easy to see. There are many good figures in the line, Bansir agreed, as good men as we. Tall, blond men from the north, laughing black men from the south, Little brown men from the nearer countries, all marching together from the river to the gardens, back and forth, day after day, year after year, not of happiness to look forward to, beds of straw upon which to sleep, hard grain porridge to eat. Pity the poor brutes, Kobe. Pity them I do. Yet uh, thou dost make me see how little better off are we, free men though we call ourselves. That is truth, Kobe. Unpleasant thought, though it be, we do not wish to go on year after year living slavish lives, working, 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 getting nowhere. Might we not find out how others acquire gold and do as they do? Kobe inquired. 
Perhaps there is some secret we might learn if we but sought from those who knew, replied Vansir thoughtfully. This very day, suggested Kobe, I did pass our old friend Arkad, riding in his golden chariot. This I will say, he did not look over my humble head as many in his station might consider his right. Instead, he did wave his hand that all onlookers might see him paying greetings to bestow his smile of friendship upon Kobe, the musician. He is claimed to be the richest man in all Babylon, Pansir mused. So rich the king is said to seek his golden aid in affairs of the treasury, Kobe replied. So rich, Pansir interrupted. I fear if I should meet him in the darkness of the night, I should lay my hands upon his fat wallet. Nonsense, reproved Kobe. A man's wealth is not in the purse he carries. A fat purse quickly empties if there be no golden stream to refill it. Arkad has an income that constantly keeps his purse full, no matter how liberally he spends. Income, that is the thing, said Bansir. I wish an income that will keep flowing into my purse whether I sit upon the wall or travel to far lands. Arkad must know how a man can make an income for himself. Dost suppose it is something he could make clear to a mind as slow as mine? Methinks he did teach his knowledge to his son, Nomasir. Kobe responded. Did he not go to Nineveh and, so it is told at the end, become, without aid from his father, one of the richest men in that city? Kobe, thou bringest me a rare thought. A new light gleamed into Bansir's eyes. It costs nothing to ask wise advice from a good friend, and Arkad was always that. Never mind, though our purses be as empty as the falcon's nest of a year ago, let that not detain us. We are weary of being without gold in the midst of plenty. We wish to become men of means. Come, let us go to Arkad and ask how we also may acquire income for ourselves. Thou speakest with true inspiration, Bansir. Thou bringest to my mind a new understanding. Thou makest me realize the reason why we never found any measure of wealth. We never sought it. Thou hast labored patiently to build the staunchest chariots in Babylon. To that purpose was devoted your best endeavors. Therefore, at it, thou didst succeed. I strove to become a skillful lyre player, and at it, I did succeed. In those things toward which we exerted our best endeavors, we succeeded. The gods were content to let us continue thus. Now, at last, we see a light bright like that from the rising sun. It biddeth us to learn more that we may prosper more. With a new understanding, we shall find honorable ways to accomplish our desires. Let us go to Arkad this very day, Bansir urged. Also, let us ask other friends of our boyhood days, who have fared no better than ourselves, to join us, that they too may share in his wisdom. Thou wert ever thus thoughtful of thy friends, Bansir, Therefore thou hast many friends. It shall be as thou sayest. We go this day and take them with us. All right, so that was a lot longer than I thought it was going to take to read through a chapter in that book. We're at almost 20 minutes here. If you guys are still here, I appreciate you listening. So the quick talking points that I want to talk about this is, in this chapter one is... This is coming from the 
standpoint of a man who is a hard worker. He gets paid a fair wage for what he does. He has a family. And somehow he still doesn't have any wealth. He basically has enough money to feed his family and buy some bare necessities as he needs. So this guy is having a revelation, a an epiphany, that there are plenty of people around him that live life in a very wealthy way. And he's basically talking to his friend and saying, hey, why can't we, why can't that be us? Why can't we do that? This guy went to the same school, had the same teachers, had the same opportunities as us. Why is he so successful and why are we still working our nine to five jobs or, you know, nine to 12 jobs or whatever? You know, he's working from sunup to sundown and his meal bag is still empty and he's tired of it. So he and his friend decide to go talk to their rich friend. Okay, so he's a, a poor and a hardworking man and he has a desire now to become like his rich friend. Um, he had a dream that was great. He was wealthy and his wife was happy and he gave liberally away to all his friends and charities and things like that. He's willing to work for the fair things in life, fair, fine things, you know, nice house, nice clothes or whatever. But he wants to be fairly rewarded for his work. Um, he makes the observation that he and his friend, even though they have a house and they have families and they have food, they are little better off than these slaves that are carrying these skins of water up to the hanging gardens that have, you know, beds of straw and housing basically provided to them. Now, granted, Bansir and Kobe aren't being beaten every night when they walk too slow, but they draw the comparison of they themselves are working from dawn until dusk, and at the end of the day, they have just enough money to fill their meal bag for another day of working from dawn until dusk. So they're saying that they're little, little better off than the slaves, and then Amidst this epiphany, they say, hey, it doesn't cost anything to go ask someone advice on how they acquired their wealth, how they got wealthy. So that's what they agreed to do. Spoiler alert, this book, as we go through it, has really challenging principles. Now, I want you guys to know that uh, I don't like the fact that this book is written in the perspective of ancient Babylonians and they pray to idols and false gods. Being a born-again Christian, I have kind of a deep-seated problem with that. So as I'm narrating this, I'm narrating the book verbatim. And I want you guys to know up front that I don't really uh, endorse paganism or anything like that. Um, I'm, I'm just reading the story and letting you guys take what you will from it like I did. Okay, so that was a really long project. I hope that you guys are interested. If you feel like you are Bansir the Chariot Maker and his friend Kobe the Musician, and you are tired of working day in and day out and not having anything to show for it, and you want to know how to acquire a wealthy income, 
Tune in to the next podcast. Go out and read the book. You can listen to the rest of the book on YouTube. Today was me just wanting to read through that book with you guys so that you have a grasp and a context of what I'm actually talking about in the show. So next week or next episode, depending on when I have time to do the next chapter, we're going to see what Bansier and Kobe find out from Arcad, their wealthy friend, and he tells them some really cool stuff. So I hope you guys will join us. That's all I've got for today. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope it's got you thinking. We'll talk to you next time. This has been The Good, The Brad, and The Ugly.